Anyway, uh, John chapter 7 today. Let's, uh, would you stand with me? And let's read a short passage of scripture and uh, see, what, uh, see what the Lord would say to us today. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus who spoke as no other man had ever spoken. I pray that you would speak to us today, and I pray that we would hear by the grace and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. When Jesus was teaching at the feast, the chief priests and the leaders, um, political leaders and religious leaders of the country, sent uh, the temple guards out to bring him in for questioning. Of course, I don't know uh, what good questioning would have done because uh, these people weren't very good at listening to answers or they certainly weren't very good at, a- at answering questions. You know, when someone says, does our law say, and they jump on them and say, are you from Galilee? It, what kind of answer is that? But uh, sort of reminiscent of the age we're living in at this point. Uh, the soldiers came back and they came back without Jesus. And they said, why don't you bring him in? And the answer that they gave was very extraordinary. No man ever spoke the way this man does. So what did they hear him say? Well, there's a number of things that Jesus said that we're going to look at. But very, first of all, let's look at what he actually said at the feast that they heard. Or some of the things that he said. One of them was, I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him. Because I am from him and he sent me. Now, it's going to seem like I'm digressing a little bit here, but it's really important for, for where we're going with this. What, what, let me just start off, first of all, and say, what does this mean for us? We, we uh, often hear and, and are taught these days that we have authority. As believers, we, uh, we have authority over this and over that. And while that, it's true in a, in a sense, uh, it's usually taught in a way that's very misleading. Because we're taught to bind this and rebuke that and, and claim something else. And, and we're taught to not be afraid to, to speak. And what we should be taught is not be afraid to speak boldly. But we're sometimes kind of taught to speak boastfully. And there's a line there. Boldly is fine. Boastfully isn't, quite frankly. And so sometimes we get our, our, our marching orders without reading the rest of the instructions. Sometimes we only read the title of the email. We don't read what's actually in the body of it. Um, And so we're taught that it's our authority 
it's given to us to change something we want to change. And that's just simply not true. A captain or a lieutenant, a junior officer in the military has authority. If, if you don't think he has authority or she has authority, then just be one of the persons in there under their command and you'll find out right quick, they have authority. But it's not to just do whatever they want to do. If the general says, I want your people at this place at 0600 hours, the captain, the lieutenant, the whatever, does not have the option of going, you know what, I think we'd rather be at this place at 0600 hours and maybe we'll go there at 0800 hours. No, no, no. You don't get to be. You don't get to make those decisions. You have to listen to the one from whom your authority came in order to exercise the authority they've given to you. That's how authority works. Jesus has the authority, and so the authority that we have is whatever he has given to us. Over in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 28, uh, verses 18 through 20, uh, we're very familiar with the, the uh, great commandment. But it starts off by saying, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to uh, observe everything that I have commanded to you. But all authority belonged to Jesus and all is all. Nowhere are we given a blanket license of authority. The authority is given to Jesus. And so, therefore, any authority that we have is subject to his will. Because that's where the authority came from. And Jesus understood this perfectly. Authority comes from walking in submission to authority. Over in Matthew uh, chapter 8 and Luke chapter 7, there was a centurion who came to Jesus. And the, the centurion was a, was a Roman military leader. And he had a servant who was who was sick, and he came to Jesus to ask him to heal his servant. Most of you know the story. And uh, Jesus said, fine, sure, I'll, I'll come. And the centurion said something quite remarkable. He said, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come to my house. Uh, it's, you know, it's not that you aren't welcome, but I don't deserve to have you there. And so just say the word and my servant will be healed. I know that'll happen because I am a man myself who's under authority. And I have people under authority with me. And I say to, to one of my soldiers, go here, and he goes. Or, or come here, and he comes. Or do this, and he does it. That's how it works. And Jesus was amazed. He was amazed because this man got it. Because he, because he understood. He got it because he was a, a military man. And he understood that uh, the, uh, a guy who thinks he's a genius, he may be a genius, but if he's insubordinate, he's too imbecilic to be promoted to anything above where he is right now and probably isn't going to stay where he is right now. And I use the word imbecilic because it's a four-syllable substitute for a two-syllable synonym that rhymes with Cupid. <laughs> Hear what Jesus says about walking out his own authority. Oh, over, in, over in John chapter 5, he's talking about the authority that God has given him to judge. He says he's given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. But then he goes on to say, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, 
For I seek not to please myself, but to seek please the one who sent me. You know, claiming, rebuking, and, and, and whatever is great once God's told you to claim and rebuke. But if we're just seeking to please ourselves, Jesus also said about authority in John chapter 7, I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. John chapter 10, verse 18, he's talking about laying down his life. He says uh, that, uh, that the enemy has come, but uh, uh, the enemy's not the one who's taken his life from him. He lays it down himself. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. If you've been here very long, you've heard me share this before, but Jesus loves you Jesus died for you, and if you had been the only one who was going to accept the gospel, he still would have gone to the cross, but you're not the reason he went to the cross. He went to the cross because his father told him to. That's why he went. And if no one was going to accept the gospel, he still would have gone to the cross because his father told him to. And he was walking under the authority of his father. John chapter 14, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me, doing his work. The, the reason that Jesus could speak with such resounding authority, could say the things that he said, wind, be still, waves, stop rolling, demons, come out, Lazarus, come forth. The reason he could say those kinds of things, it's very simple. He explains it over in John chapter 12. I do not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. And because the Father had commanded him to say all that he had spoken, he spoke like no other man ever spoke before. One other thing they heard uh, him say at the feast was... Uh, I am with you for only a short time, and then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. And this kind of threw the crowd into a tizzy. They were going, where, where, where is he going? Why, why can't we go there? Why should we care? This guy is talking like he's something special. This, this guy is talking like he's, he's a big deal. What, what, is this all, what is this all about? He's sent. The one who sent him, he's going back to him. Now, if you, if you look at um, a lot of religious leaders throughout history, very rarely do they say that they're sent unless they're prophets or apostles. I'll get to that in a second. But they, um, others say that of them. But Jesus said, said it of himself. Said, I'm, I'm sent. I'm here for a specific purpose. Now you say, well, prophets are sent. Apostles are sent. Yes, but they're not a big deal. Their message and their assignment is a big deal. Whenever, the, whenever they questioned John the Baptist about who he was, he said, I'm not, I'm not uh, the prophet, I'm not Elijah, I'm not Messiah. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. My message is who I am. Same thing with Jeremiah, same thing with Isaiah. In fact, John was quoting Isaiah at the time. And then... 
They also heard Jesus say this, and Barbie unpacked this beautifully last week. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. The nerve of this guy. Seriously, I mean, he doesn't say those who who live right and do well, rivers of living water will flow from within them. That would make sense. He doesn't say those who who love others and, and, and treat others kindly, rivers of living water. I mean, those things are good. Don't get me wrong. But that's not what he said. He said, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within him. And who does this guy think he is? Quite frankly, we get right down to it. Look at, uh, for just a moment, at some of the other great religious leaders of the world. Moses. Moses was pretty important, pretty big deal. But uh, he's telling them what God told him to tell them. Deuteronomy 18, 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. In other words, what Moses is saying is, it ain't me, babe. There's one coming later, and it's him. He's the one. When John the Baptist, uh, when his followers came to him and they were complaining that, you know, Jesus' church is getting a lot bigger and yours is getting smaller. I'm afraid our church is dying. John, what are we going to do about it? We 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 need to read some books and go to some conferences and stuff. And John said, you yourself can testify. I said, I'm not the Messiah. I'm sent ahead of him. He must become greater. I must become less. That's all that needs to happen. Because it's not me. Buddha. When, uh, you have to admit, he's got a cool name. Uh, when we were in China, they, um, uh, a, lot of, a lot of Buddhists there, and they, they, lo- they love the fat Buddhas. And I wonder, well, why they have the fat Buddhas? It's because if you can rub their tummy, and it's supposed to bring you money. Or you can rub their head, and it, you know, make you smarter. Whatever. Uh, but anyway, Buddha didn't say anything about himself or who he was. He made no claims about himself. His philosophy sounds good on some levels. Some other levels, it sounds kind of scary. I was reading some of his quotes this week, and, and, and I came across this one. No one saves us but ourselves. No one can and no one may. We ourselves must save ourselves. And all I could think was, yikes! I am in big, big trouble. Because I, I, I don't think I'm doing a very good job of saving myself. In fact, the scripture says the price of a life is too costly. No payment is ever enough. Psalm 75 says this. No one can save themselves. But anyway, he didn't make any claims about himself. Confucius Uh, also made no claims about himself. Uh, His philosophy sounds a lot like Buddha, only uh, worse, actually. Um, 
One of, one of his quotes was, what the superior man seeks is in himself. What the small man seeks is in others. And, and as you look at the quotes, what you begin to realize is it's all turned inward. It's all about you. It's all about what, you know. And that appeals to a lot of people on, on a bunch of different levels because we aren't honest with ourselves about how depraved we are, quite frankly. God turned outward. Devil turned inward. That's, that, that is the separation between the two. The devil is the one who says, I will make myself like the Most High. I will, I will ascend to the heights. God, Jesus, ascended to the very depths in order to be exalted. Muhammad, the founder of Islam, uh, he claimed to be a prophet, but he would not accept worship. Many times uh, in their scriptures and writings about him, you, you hear him saying, worship not me. Don't worship me. Honor me as a brother. Only worship God. And you know, that's cool on one level. If you're not God, you better be saying that. But Jesus accepted worship. Some of the things that Jesus said, pretty astounding when you think of them in this context. Over in Matthew 16, he's asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist returned from the dead. Some say you're uh, the prophet. Who do you say I am? Oh, well, we, you're, you're Christ. You're the son of the living God. Bingo. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. You can't just see that with natural eyes. It was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Over in John chapter 4, he's talking to the woman at the well, and she realizes that she's, that she's got somebody who can maybe answer her questions here. And she says, where should I go to church? Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you Jews say we got to go to Jerusalem to worship. And, you know, and Jesus said, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you'll worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, God's a spirit. He's seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And then she, she, a light comes on and she says, I, I know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. No man ever spoke the way this man did. John chapter 8. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Will never walk in darkness because I will never lead them into darkness because I am perfect. That's what he's saying. Who does he think he is? John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, my sheep. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He goes on to say, a stranger's voice, they won't follow. I'm the, I'm the one. John chapter 12, uh, verse 32. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people unto myself. You, you know, we're so used to hearing these verses. We don't understand how startling they are. You know, but if... Uh, you know, if J.R. Becker jumped up this morning and said, everyone, follow me, I am the light of the world, you know, we'd go, 
boy, that's not like JR. <laughs> this is the context in which Jesus was saying these things. John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Boy, that's the rub, isn't it? That, that's, that's where we often come into serious conflict with the world. And, and we don't really know exactly what to do with it. We tend to treat it in one of two ways. We either tend to treat it like, uh, no, I don't believe that. I mean, I, he, he's my way to the Father, but others have other ways to the Father. Uh, there may be other paths, but there's only one way. It's through Jesus. And so we have a tendency, if somebody's, you know, if somebody's not on the path that I'm on, we have a tendency to say to them, well, you're going to hell. I got a friend uh, up in Nashville who was uh, just finished directing a play, and, and in it there was kind of a, a long dialogue that he had written about hell that he had this character say, and afterwards the guy uh, came up to him and said, man, I just want to thank you for giving me that and, and, and giving me the opportunity to think about and understand some of these things. He said, I, 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 was, I was home um, a couple of months ago and my brother has gotten really fundamental in, uh, in his beliefs and, he, and he, we were going to bed one night and, and he turned to me and said, you're going to hell. And I said, why? And he said, because you're an actor. <laughs> Ain't funny. But, but this is true, and Jesus, Jesus said this. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who does he think he is? Well, it goes on later in that same chapter. And Philip, who's been with him for three years now, Philip says, uh, uh, Jesus says, you, you know the Father. You've seen him. And Philip goes, oh, that, oh, show us the Father. And Jesus says, you've been with me such a long time, Philip, and... You're saying, show us the Father? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. No one ever spoke the way Jesus spoke except for crazy people and the devil. And we're going to look at some crazy people here for just a minute. But before we do... Remember that Jesus said in Matthew 24, false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So he, he, he said these guys are coming. So I, I wanna, I, I'm just going to pull up four of them that have been here in my lifetime. Um, one of, how many of you guys remember Jim Jones? Yeah, I knew that, that in this service about half of you wouldn't know who he was. Uh, we've got a Jim Jones in this church, but it, it's not him. I promise you that. Uh, Jim Jones was a, was a, a leader of a, of a church called the People's Temple. And he claimed to be the reincarnation of Jesus, of Buddha, of Lenin, and of Father Divine. Now that's enough to tell you right there. Don't go to that church. But people did, and, uh, and people followed him. Uh, actually, they, he, he took his church ultimately, and they all moved to Guyana. And uh, on November the 18th of 1978, his followers all drank 
cyanide-laced Kool-Aid and 909 people committed a mass suicide. Uh, 300 of them were children. Uh, the term drinking the Kool-Aid became entered into our vocabulary. It's, it's talking, about, uh, talking about this guy, the reincarnation of Jesus, Buddha, Lenin, and Father Divine. This guy, you maybe don't know, probably only a few of you, though he's been the most recent, Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda. And for the longest time, he was uh, known to his followers as, uh, um, uh, let's see, where is it here? Jesucristo Hombre, uh, the man Jesus Christ. Now, later on uh, in his ministry, he kind of changed that and decided that rather than being the man Jesus Christ, he was now the Antichrist because he had finished being Jesus Christ and his followers were now those who didn't uh, no longer follow Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, anyway, he, he died on uh, August the 8th of 2013. He just died last year. He still has thousands and thousands of followers, especially in the uh, areas down in Florida and the Caribbean area and uh, parts of Latin America. One interesting thing about him, there's a lot of interesting things about him, but one interesting thing about him was that uh, uh, he also once was indebted because he lost $46,000 at the Hard Rock Casino. Now, I would think if God went to a casino, he would probably win. He knows what number is coming up. Hit me? No, I'm fine. You know. This fellow is uh, Sun Mung Moon. And how many of you remember him? Did you, Rodney, did you belong? Were you a... Uh, no, you never were? Okay, just wanted to be sure. <laughs> yeah. back, in the, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, his, his guys would sell um, poppies, was it? Uh, little, anyway, flowers at the airports and stuff. Raise, raise a lot of money. Um, He's the founder of the Unification Church, uh, claimed to be the second coming of Christ. And the reason why he, uh, he, he was needed was because, uh, according to uh, Reverend Moon, uh, Jesus failed to complete everything he was sent to do. He, his death on the, he died on the cross, but he died before he got married. Yeah, he and Dan Brown would have a, have a, a thing with each other. He died before he got married. Uh, and so he, he was able to redeem our spirits, but not our bodies. And so Reverend Moon would conduct these massive uh, wedding ceremonies. Uh, there was one time in Madison Square Garden where there were 2,000 people he married. In fact, in, uh, there was one time in Washington, D.C. where he married 36,000 people on one day. And one of, the, one of the interesting things about it was that none of these people knew each other before, uh, before they met for their wedding. Uh, he put them all together to, you know, complete this work that Christ had left undone. And, and you know, you, and it kind of sounds so silly. 36,000 people did this on one day. So a lot of people were following after him. He died um, on September the 3rd, 2012. 
And I guess the big problem that I have with him, I mean, I have a number of problems, but the big problem that I have with him was he came to complete the work that Christ left undone. Jesus said in John 17, 4, I have brought glory to you on the earth by completing everything you gave me to do. One more. This guy's name is Marshall Applewhite. How many of you remember who he was or know anything about him? Yeah, I knew some of you conspiracy theorists would, <laughs> would, be, would know him. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, uh, his, he, he had a, a group called Heaven's Gate. And, uh, and his cult, his group, uh, all committed suicide in uh, a period of several days in 1997. There was a comet coming by the Earth called Hale-Bopp. And there was supposed to be a spaceship coming with the comet. And they all committed suicide so that their spirits could go and join the spaceship because the Earth was, was getting ready to be recycled. And they... Um, when they committed suicide, they all had on kind of like a uniform. It was sort of a, 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 a black uh, running suit, a pair of Nikes, and a, uh, and, and a, and a badge that said, um, Heaven's Gate Awaiting. Now, if you go onto YouTube, you can hear some of this guy's teaching. You know, don't know why you'd want to do that. But... Uh, I did just because I want to, okay, let's find a little bit more about it. And the, the video that I was viewing, and this is a picture from that, screenshot from that, you know, there are comments below it on, on YouTube. And one of the comments was uh, from Hyper1231100. And this is what Hyper123100 said If Jesus lived today, he would be no better than this man. And my first reaction was, you're stupid, hyper123100. But my second reaction, because I was working, I said that word, didn't I? Okay. You're, you're imbecilic, hyper. <laughs> uh, but my second reaction was, if he was a man, you're absolutely right. You actually... You actually get it because no man ever spoke the way Jesus spoke. No man ever said the kind of things that Jesus said except those who are crazy are the devil himself. So I want to finish up looking at a paragraph that C.S. Lewis wrote that has always been very impactful in my life. Lewis says this, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's the one thing we must not say. No, nobody is saying that um, Marshall Applewhite was a great moral teacher, or Jim Jones was a great moral teacher. Jesus Christ came and absolutely turned the world inside out and upside down and stood it on its head when it came to moral teaching. Love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. And he didn't just say these things. He lived them. You've heard it said, love your neighbor as yourself. I'm telling you, 
Love one another as I have loved you. Wow, you must be a big deal. Yes, I am. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. The one thing you can't say is he was a great moral teacher, but he wasn't the son of God. And that's the choice that most of the people that you know, and maybe some of the people sitting in this room, that's the choice they make. He's a great teacher, yeah. But nah, not this God thing. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. He has not left that open to us. That is not an option. A, a few years ago, I uh, brought a sermon and, and several people have reminded me of it lately and said, you need to teach on this again. And perhaps sometimes I will, but I just need to mention it here. I was talking about postmodernism and the way people think. In, post, in this postmodern world, and, and young people in particular, because you've been in, indoctrinated with it a lot longer than us, you know, they'll take, there'll be column A, column B, and column C, and they're mutually exclusive from each other. This only makes, everything in column A makes sense until you move it into column B. You, you hear what I'm saying? Everything in column B makes sense unless you put it in A or C. The way we live our lives these days is we go, well, let's see, I'll take, I like this one in A, and, and I like this one in C, and, and I'll take these two in B. And so, you know, that's, that's how I'll put myself together. That's why there's so many people whose, whose, whose personalities and lives are so scattered and shattered and not whole and not unified. He did not intend for us to have the option of going, man, he's a great teacher, but he's not God. No, the things he said, don't leave that option available. But I love the things he said because I'm one of those who falls at his feet and calls him Lord and God. And I found out, speaking of bodacious things, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your very souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I look at people and I see such heavy burdens. I see them struggling with, with, with such loads. Bent down almost to the ground. No idea about how to, grasping at straws, grasping at the latest fad, the latest book, the latest Messiah to try and get this burden off of me. There's only one way to get it off because there's only one man who ever spoke this way. 
Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Would you stand with me? I love you guys. <laughs> well, those who are going to pray for people, come forward. And if you're here and you need prayer, you, you come, you know. If you've been here for a while, you know the altar's open for anybody, for everybody. If it's your first time here, the altar's open for anybody, everybody, for, for anything that they may need. And if you don't know Christ, if you don't know him, uh, he knows you and he knows you're here. You know? He brought you here intentionally. We'd love to introduce you to him. We say, well, is he here? Yeah, he's here. He's here. If you know him, you sense his presence. If you don't need to come worship with us for a few moments, we're going to wait on those who do. If you do need to come, come. Wednesday night, the Young Lions series, and uh, Friday, uh, ponder anew. There's no uh, no cost. It's, it'll be a terrific evening. 
Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world and gave him words to speak like no man had ever spoken before, may that anointing that rested upon him flow through your life so that he may be made beautiful in you and to those around you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.